This is the Oklahoma Talking Company. Triumph gets salty. Indian returns to racing. And Baffrey and Colvin take a test ride. All this and more on this week's Power Sports Podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Power Sports Podcast. I'm Jason Baffrey, joined in studio with Eric Colvin, and we are ready to talk about motorcycles and racing and lots of fun stuff. And from the tease, it sounds like a movie. You have Baffrey and Colvin take a test ride, and we'll we'll tell you more about that in just a little bit. But there's a lot of cool news out there in the motorcycle and racing world going on. Um, but first of all, it, it just hit me, and we didn't talk about this before we started recording, but it, it popped into my head, and I do want to take a moment because the racing world lost a great driver over the weekend as Brian Clausen, the four-time USAC national champion who was a driver of sprint cars and midgets and uh, had several turns at the Indy 500, his best event coming in the 2016 Indy 500. He had a great ride there, um, but he lost his life uh, this past weekend in a crash at the Belleville Midget Nationals. And uh, I think all racers go into racing knowing what the the hazards are and are willing to take that chance because if you've never raced or never been involved deeply in racing, you can't understand the heart and intensity and the love and the passion that develops for the sport uh, from from all aspects of it. And, it. and a part of it is the is the people involved, but being able to drive a car or a motorcycle really fast and have that competitiveness against the others. It is something that the people who especially do it professionally, and I've known quite a few over my career and have known some that have unfortunately lost their lives, and they all loved what they were doing. Um, but you hate to you hate to see it when anything happens like that, especially Brian Clausen was a uh, was a young man. He was, you know, he still had a long career and a long life ahead of him. And so we just uh, we want to send our sympathies to uh, the racing world, uh, his USAC family, his family, and uh, it's just a it's a tragic loss, but something that that does happen from time to time in racing. Unfortunately, that does seem to happen. Um, Nobody likes to see it. Uh, everybody works really, really hard, obviously, to prevent that from happening. But unfortunately, sometimes uh, unforeseen things happen and we have some bad results and our prayers and thoughts go out to their family. Yeah. Well, and I hate to start the show off on a downer, but that just it popped into my head right as we started recording that I did want to mention that because it is a, a great loss to the uh, racing community as a whole. And, and everybody is in mourning this week as a result of it. And whether you knew him personally or not, if you're a fan of racing, you've probably heard of uh, Brian Clausen because he was a high caliber driver and uh, you were going to be seeing him more frequently in IndyCar or NASCAR in in coming years. Uh, He had that kind of career path ahead of him. Well, moving on to other news, 
the uh, Bonneville Salt Flats has been going on this past week, and Triumph Motorcycles took a streamliner out, and they have reset the record. It is the uh, the Triumph in four rocket streamliner is what they called this thing, and they have become it has become the fastest Triumph ever at the Bonneville Salt Flats, and uh, the driver or rider. It's a streamliner, so you're kind of driving. Kind of driving. It's a little bit different. But Guy Martin, who is uh, well-known in the TT circles, and Eric, I know you follow the TT and the Isle of Man very closely, and so you obviously know uh, more about Guy Martin. But uh, nevertheless, he set the speed record at 274.2 miles per hour, and that's uh, moving along at a pretty good clip. I am so stoked about seeing all of these marquees come back indian has come back and triumph is at bonneville again yeah. and uh they've got a lot of the top riders guy martin being the one now that's driving this car and uh them setting a new world record uh with their thousand brake horsepower uh motorcycle or streamliner whatever that is that they that they've chosen to call it it's yeah kind of wild it's i've it's like funny cars are top fuel, like a funny car. They put Toyota on the body, but it's far from <laughs> it's far from a Toyota. Yeah. Well, and at least, you know, they're obviously using Triumph power. And uh, it's it's interesting because I, I don't follow Bonneville closely, but I know they have like a ton of different categories and configurations. And I'm not even sure what the overall top speed record is currently. But I mean, they've been in the four or five, six hundred mile per hour range uh do you know offhand what the the top speed is well chris card set a uh a, a record out there and i know that they have passed uh the sound barrier in cars out yeah. there so every single time that they have an event there's something that's new it's and one of the one of the deals that's hard about all, to keep up with is the amount of press that isn't given to such a unique sport yeah absolutely it it's uh it's really cool and i i know some people that that go out there from from oklahoma city and they've got a car and they take out there and they run in one of the classes they have like a 53 studebaker that they race out there which is pretty cool but uh, they have classes for motorcycles and cars and in all different configurations of engines and i mean they have a flathead class and i don't know what all but it's pretty interesting but uh, congratulations to triumph for uh, setting a new record and uh, if it just makes me think about the world's fastest indian and if you haven't seen that movie and you're interested in bonneville salt flats and uh, Indian motorcycles. It's a great movie to watch because it has both of those things, and it's a it's a really cool movie. Very well done with Anthony Hopkins. It is. It's like a, a very entertaining uh, documentary. Yeah, <laughs> and and we'll talk about it more on uh, when we do another movie show like we did previously. Uh, flat track racing. We had some going on midweek or early week here this week as uh, the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally is going on in the Black Hills of South Dakota in uh, Sturgis. And it's the 76th annual Sturgis. And what are we doing here when everybody related to motorcycles is in Sturgis, South Dakota right now? I know we have missed the Kansas Fair Series, which was last week, which was uh four races in five days and i was stuck working instead of being able to race that and then everybody goes from there to sturgis and we're here slaving away i don't know there's yeah 
we need sponsorship to send us to the large motorcycle not like biker rallies, but I mean Sturgis, um, Daytona, Daytona. You know the, those type of things. The, the things that we need to be covering live, uh, because we missed a lot of action. And uh, one of those things was AMA Flat Track at Sturgis, the Black Hills Speedway on Tuesday night, where Brian Smith on the Kawasaki had a hard-fought battle with Jared Meese, the two top points earners in AMA Pro Flat Track, and it was Brian Smith getting his first short track or half mile, shorter than the miles. I mean, he won three miles in a row, essentially, but he gets a half mile win over Jared Meese, who is coming off of a win in Charlotte, and uh, that mixes things up a little bit in the points. And it is a short week for them because this Sunday, on August 14th, they have the Peoria TT. So they've got to get from South Dakota to uh, Peoria, Peoria, Illinois, and get and get completely different bikes set up totally for the TT. Setup, totally different track, everything. Yeah, and for the people that may not be familiar with TT, and we've, we talked about the, the, the TTs with Guy Martin and the Isle of Man, Two and different times. AMA Pro Flat Track TT is something vastly different. Very different. Uh, TT racing in Europe is on public roads, uh, where the term tourist trophy comes from, which is TT. Uh, American-style TT is basically flat track motorcycles on a flat track course with a right-hand turn in it and a jump, traditionally. Now, obviously, some track owners or promoters twist it up a little bit change it up a little bit but traditionally you had two half mile turns one half mile straightaway a jump and what they called a dog leg on the back straightaway and you were allowed to and still are allowed to run a front brake but you're still jumping flat track motorcycles that have less than six inches of travel well, but have they've been running the the DTX bikes uh, recently? But I think for 2017, they're going back to the V twins, aren't they? For all of the all of the races for the GNC one class. For the GNC one, there is a push for everything to be a twin, so it could possibly be back like the 70s and even some of the 60s and previous to that, where they were jumping twins. So. I'd like to see that. I've been to. Yeah, that would be very cool. It it would be very entertaining. Uh, vintage wise, it's a lot of fun. I've been pe- to Peoria on framers. Okay, uh, whenever I had a Camel Pro license, and we rode framers with front brakes, and you had maybe four inches in the back and maybe four or five inches in the front, so you definitely had to come down on the back wheel first. Yeah. And at Peoria, as soon as you land from the jump, you actually go up the the back straightaway at an angle at the approach to the jump. So you actually have to turn the bike in the air yeah. when you land and then make the right hand, but it's like an S. And as soon as you turn right, it's right back into a full uh, half-mile turn again. And uh, you're heavy on the brakes for that transition. Yeah, and I've seen some of the video from there, and I mean, it gets pretty hairy through there sometimes uh, if you don't land it just right, you know, and trying to get the bike turned midair, like you said, especially if you're in a crowd. Uh, it's a pretty fun race to watch, and uh, I can imagine it's even more fun to ride. It is a blast to ride, and there's a catch fence right there for a reason to catch everybody <laughs> as they come off of that. Um, but I have not had a lot of experience on the DTX bikes. Now, 
A DTX bike, like we talked about before, is a motocrosser that's been lowered, and it has a 19-inch wheel in the front and a 19-inch wheel in the back. And most of what you will see now is from the GNC2 class. And those bikes are a little more uh, forgiving as far as, as jumping them than sure. the traditional framer is. I'm not saying they're easier by any sense of the word. It still takes a lot of practice and a lot of setup, and it you've taken a bike that has over 14 inches of travel and cut it down to maybe six or eight inches of travel now. Hmm. Very interesting. Well, we'll be watching for that uh, this coming weekend, the Peoria TT. But again, Brian Smith wins in Sturgis. And there was a lot of other activity in Sturgis as Indian Motorcycles debuted their new FTR 750 flat track motorcycle, which will debut uh, on the track in competition in 2017 or possibly later this year. And they have signed Jared Meese to ride the Indian. And I've seen some video of him test riding, but they made the official debut of a running ready to go motorcycle at Sturgis and it's beautiful and it's very cool looking and it is very exciting to see Indian getting back into AMA flat track racing since I think 1953 was the last time they were involved at least and this new motorcycle if you haven't seen it you have got to check it out this is a very gorgeous motorcycle it is going to be exciting in 2017 for flat track. I mean, especially as the popularity of flat track grows with their appearances at the the last two X Games uh, this year and the year previous. But now to have Indian and Harley Davidson going head to head, and then you have great competition from the Kawasaki, certainly of Brian Smith, but some others out there as well. And you, there are other brands. I mean, you have the Triumph of Jake Shoemaker. And you also have uh, Johnny Lewis, who's been running the Ducati. We haven't seen a, a lot from them. I mean, they've qualified for some mains, but getting that, and we've talked about it before, that brand diversity. And I really can't wait to see if uh, the, the Yamaha has their new uh, DT07 out there as well that's been improving a little bit. Plus, you have. Uh, the Harley XG750, so a brand new Harley involved. And uh, man, it's just, it's cool to see all of these different brands involved. And it makes you think of like NASCAR back in the day with the, you know, uh, race on Sunday, sell on Monday. But how cool is it to see European, Japanese, and American brands all competing against each other on flat track racing? It's the 70s all over again. Yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, I what I hope to see is that the diversity of the brands of motorcycles that are out there uh, bring a whole lot of interest back into the sport that I think it's been lacking. And I think that that has been directly tied to the amount of brands that weren't there any longer. Yeah, I mean, basically for a lot of years, it was the Harley Davidson series. I mean, beyond just I mean, Harley Davidson sponsors the series, but. Everybody rode a Harley Davidson XR750. That's all that was out there. Uh, you know, even in the in the eighties, uh, Yamaha tried to come back for a small amount of time with their Virago based motorcycle, and that was cut short. 
Uh, then you had Harley versus Honda when Schobert rode mm-hmm. for them. Uh, you know, Mike Kidd, Poovy was another one, and they had a couple of different uh, progressions with the Honda there. But then Honda dropped out uh, for a lot of political reasons within the series uh, we could talk about later. Um, but that just left Harley Davidson. And for the longest time, it was like you said, it was just a field of XRs. And I like this. I like where yeah. they've taken the sport now, and I'm glad Indians back in it. And like you said, the Lloyd brothers is another team with the Ducati and Ron Wood with the BMW. And diversity is good for racing. I don't care what kind of racing it is. I think brand diversity is very important for a healthy series. Yeah, I forgot about the BMW being out there as well. I, I would love to see Honda get involved again in the mix with all of these other bikes. I mean, I was a, I was a fan. I've always been kind of a Honda fan. I grew up riding Honda dirt bikes and everything, so I always leaned that way. But I remember, you know, the days of Bubba Schobert in the Camel Pro Series and everything when, when he won. So I think it would be very cool to for Honda to get back in to flat track racing and uh, you know kind of reignite that uh, that marquee from the the 80s that they had uh, especially against everybody that's out there right now and but having indian back and and just the the idea of indian versus harley which you know was an olden days thing that you know people like me only you know we've heard the legends of of the indian versus harley days and now we're going to get a chance to see that and indian is doing a great job design with with their street motorcycles and we've talked a little bit about their sales and and everything and so it's it's very exciting i'm looking the- forward to it hooligan series uh that they have for their production bikes okay yeah and then building a pure racer that is production base i mean the frame is a special frame and body work but the power plant uh where a lot of the technology that they have from their street motors that they're going to use that as a base for their race motor i like that uh that is that truly is dirt track grassroots engine power plant motorcycle development race on sunday sell on monday kind of approach yeah well you mentioned the hooligans so we have to uh, talk a lot about a little bit of other news <laughs> uh the king hooligan himself roland sands of roland sands design was out in sturgis for the debut of the FTR 750, and apparently they were bringing him out, and I've heard heard differing reports of whether he was on the actual FTR 750 or he was on one of his uh, Indian Scout 60 hooligan racers, but they announced him. He rode out on the stage, rode across the stage, and rode right off the stage, crashing into uh, some members of the crowd, and unfortunately, some people were hurt, and we still don't know what the condition of Roland Sands is as of the time of our recording of this podcast. But uh, just a weird fluke deal. I mean, he's obviously a guy that has tons of experience, and you wouldn't think that uh, a crowd would send him off to, you know, Never Never Land or where he wouldn't be able to focus or anything. And I don't know if maybe he thought he was on a different bike and reached for a break and it wasn't there. I heard some reports that there'd been some rain, so may- but it... I saw some grainy video. It didn't look like he was sliding across the stage. It's like he drove out from backstage and never slowed down and just rode. I mean, the thing just rolled right off the edge of the stage at the other end. It was bizarre. If you get a chance to Google that and look at the footage, it is it is very weird. Uh, he comes out from 
uh, a bunch of speakers on one side of the stage. Uh, looks like he was going to come out to present the motorcycle that he's on. Um, and then it just kept going. Uh, I know one of the announcers made a statement that there is not a front brake on this motorcycle uh, right about the time that he just went yeah. right off the, and end I mean, of the stage. Almost, they almost made it look like it was a gag. I mean, because he, he announces, hey, these brake, uh, bikes don't have any front brakes. And then it's like, Obviously, he doesn't have any front brakes because he's not stopping, and he's right off the end of the stage. And it's like you're waiting for him to go up and go, hey, everybody, we're just kidding. It was just a big joke. Or, you know, have it be some, I don't know, comedian stuntman or something like that that was playing Roland Sands. I don't know what I was expecting, but it was just so weird uh, to see that. And, I mean, he's not a guy that's going to get stage fright in front of a few people at the Buffalo Chip in Sturgis. Not at all. So it was was a bad deal. But uh, we hope that Roland did not get hurt. And that he'll be able to get back to uh, hooligan racing just as soon as possible for the his next event, and that the bike wasn't hurt, and certainly for the spectators that were uh, apparently injured. We hope that everybody's okay, and apparently nobody was injured, you know, tragically uh, in in a really bad way. But some people did get sent to the hospital, so we wish them the best. Yes. Well, you and I were invited to Iron Nation Harley-Davidson in Edmond, Oklahoma. Yes, we were. And our good friend, Monty Ketch, who's one of the uh, sales enforcers there. (laughs) Sales enforcer, (laughs) I don't know what that means even. But uh, great guy, and uh, the entire staff up there have been really good to us and very excited about what we're doing here at the Power Sports Podcast. And so... They were like, hey, why don't you guys come up and uh, test ride a motorcycle for us and tell us what you think? And so we had an opportunity to do that, and uh, we took a recording device along with us, and uh, we're going to let you take a listen to what went down and what we thought of the uh, Harley-Davidson Ultra Limited that we got to ride. It is Jason Baffrey and Eric Colvin from the Power Sports Podcast, and we're doing something just a little bit new and different here today. We are actually out on location at Iron Nation Harley-Davidson in Edmond. Thanks to our good friend Monty Ketch, one of the sales guys here. We've just had an opportunity to ride a 2014 Harley-Davidson Limited full dresser, and we're going to bring Monty in to tell us just a little bit about it. But you had a chance to ride it, Eric. I had a chance to ride it. And uh, just for me personally, I'm not necessarily a big bike guy. Uh, I like my, my motorcycles a little stripped down, a little easier, nimble and everything. But being able to ride a dresser like this, this is one of the com- most comfortable motorcycles I've ever been on. Uh, it was just a joy to ride. Now, because I'm not used to being on a big bike on a regular basis, it took me just a little bit to get where I felt comfortable because there's a little more girth here but uh, yeah so uh, it's a little bit wider and then with the the baggage on it uh, a little bit different for me but overall the bike rides great it's smooth we cruise right on down the highway it's got plenty of power to do everything that you want to do and if you're going on any kind of a long trip whether it's just to the other side of town to go out to dinner or you're going to ride from Oklahoma City to Sturgis this is a bike that you're going to want to be on for a while. It is. This is a very comfortable bike. There's a lot of changes that Harley-Davidson has done to their tour line here. 
Uh, I've noticed that they have greatly improved the braking on this motorcycle. One thing I did notice is that it does have integral braking in it, but the integral braking works at higher speeds and at lower speeds it reverts back to a standard braking system. I actually really like that. Uh, Harley-Davidson has gone to a Brembo braking system now. We can talk to Monty about that, uh, which is greatly improved for the weight of the motorcycle. The motorcycle is very balanced. Um, the riding position is a little different, a little different in a good way. Uh, the floorboards aren't shoving your knees up around your chin any longer. You have plenty of leg room. Uh, the reach is not very far from the support, the back support of the seat up to the handlebars and the balance, like I said, and like you said, is very, very good on this motorcycle. This is not your grandfather's dresser. Yeah, once I got a little more comfortable on it, I was able to lean it a little more in the turns uh, and it felt comfortable doing so. So let's bring Monty in now, Monty Ketch from Iron Nation Harley-Davidson in Edmond. And Monty, uh, the 2014 Ultra Limited, and this thing has all of the bells and whistles. Yes, it does. Uh, this is the top of the line motorcycle that Harley makes. It's the upper touring bike. This one comes with the 103 cubic inch high output motor with the twin cooling system. It's got water jackets that go around the exhaust valve to keep the bike about 15 to 20 degrees cooler. And in the Oklahoma heat like what we've got today, that's really, really helpful. Some of the other technology in the bike to keep it cooler, more comfortable ride. Um, if you get stuck at a stoplight or slow moving traffic, it's got an electronic throttle and you can roll the throttle forward. And when you hold it there, the fuel and the spark to the back cylinder will cut off so it's not generating any heat back there. It doesn't change the sound of the motor. You can't even tell it's happened. But it, but it makes it much cooler if you're sitting in traffic or stuck and there's still enough torque in that big motor to use you can feather the clutch and pull yourself along. When it's time to take off and get back to two cylinders, just twist the throttle and it goes right back in. There's never a miss. And Harley was really good about where they placed the radiators on the bike also. It's down here behind the uh, engine guard and you can see the vents there that actually vent the hot air out away from the rider so that way they don't have the hot air blowing on them from the radiator it's also got a vent in the fairing which equalizes the pressure on the front side and the back side before there was a lot of negative pressure behind the windscreen and it caused a lot of head bobble especially if somebody was wearing a helmet but they put a vent in there and it actually evens that out and it makes for a more steel or a more steel air pocket for your rider and it works great. Um, this bike also comes standard equipment with the 6.5 GT radio. It's got GPS already downloaded into the system. All the Harley-Davidson dealerships are already in there. Um, it'll take you to points of interest. Uh, one of the nicest safety features about the bike though is part of the GPS is it will point out to where all of your emergency locations are. Police departments, fire departments, and hospitals in case you need one of those. There's also a place in there with a USB port to plug in your own playlist. And everything now on the radio is controlled from the handlebars. There's no reason to take your hand off the handlebars to mess with the radio at all. Everything is at the thumb controls. And with the knobs they put on there now, it's very intuitive and much easier to use than what it used to be. Um, and some of the other changes that they made, they took the tour pack and scooted it back a couple of inches and actually made the passenger portion of the seat a little wider. So your passenger's got a more comfort and more room to sit on the motorcycle and they don't press the rider as much. Also another big improvement was the one touch bag system entry into the bags. Instead of having to use two hands and kind of jimmy the bag open, just one simple lever and it opens right up. It's fantastic. 
overall, it was a great ride. Uh, as I mentioned, a comfortable ride. Once you get used to where all the controls are, they're easy to find. Uh, this is a well-built motorcycle. This is a Screaming Eagle version. It's got the Screaming Eagle pipes. No. Actually, it's not a Screaming Eagle. It has, it does have a set of Bassani slip-on pipes, okay. and it has the Screaming Eagle Stage One air cleaner on it. But it's not. It doesn't have the 110 motor okay. or anything like that. Okay. Well, so we, good. We got that clarification. But the point I was going to make is this bike sounds great because it has the Bassani exhaust on it, and uh, I mean, it's, in, deep in its, it's deep in its throaty, and when you got on the throttle. People around you could hear it, and it was fun. But it wasn't obnoxious. It was not obnoxious. It had a nice, smooth sound. I like when they move the tour pack back towards the back of the motorcycle. I think it makes it easier for the rider to get on the bike. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, really easy to throw your leg over and uh, just get comfortable on this thing. Go for a long ride. It's very comfortable. I could, I could actually see me riding this for long distances. And myself, as far as tours goes, I'm more of the adventure tour guy. But this right here is, is a great improvement from Harley-Davidson for a tour bike. If you want to go out for a lengthy ride, you want to take your, your wife or significant other with you and have them be comfortable and everybody's happy, the Harley-Davidson Ultra Limited is going to be a good choice for you. We've been very pleased with the ride on this bike. It was. It was a very nice ride. It was well balanced, like I said before. Throttle response was excellent on this motorcycle. The 103 cubic inch motor, I can't see any problems with it. Riding two up, pulling a heavy load, pulling a heavy load two up with a trailer, I think it will go down the road just fine. I think anybody that is interested in tour riding, whether, like you said, weekend trips, long trips, I think this is a motorcycle that they should highly consider. Well, you can find this one at Iron Nation Harley-Davidson in Edmond, Oklahoma, right off of South Broadway, and stop by and ask for Monty Ketch. And Monty, thanks for uh, letting us take a ride here today. Well, thanks for going. I love going on test rides. Anytime, guys. So once again, thanks to Monty Ketch and the entire staff at Iron Nation Harley-Davidson, and hopefully we'll get out and get to some uh, other places and ride some other bikes, and we'll tell you about those when, when those happen as well. So the topic of the day, to customize or not to customize, you know, you can buy some very cool looking motorcycles straight off the showroom floor, but you can also spend uh, sometimes the same amount of money, sometimes just a little bit more and buy a fully custom motorcycle. Uh, you can also buy a lot of cool bolt-on accessories for your motorcycle if you want to make it look different. And you can go a broad range. I mean, when you think custom motorcycles, I think for a lot of people, they think about West Coast choppers, Orange County choppers. Uh, Jesse James, Je Billy Lane, that yeah. kind of deal. Yeah, and so you think about the choppers and the custom Harleys and, and things like that. But there is a much broader base for custom motorcycles these days. I mean, we mentioned Roland Sands. Roland Sands Design comes out with some amazing-looking motorcycles that are built on all types of platforms. I mean, he's done Harleys. He's done Victories. He's done Indians. He's done uh, sport bike. Uh, you know, uh, Japanese brands uh, and does some really cool stuff. And there's a ton of custom builders out there. Now, we're not saying that you necessarily have to go out and spend $60,000, dollars $100,000 on a custom motorcycle, right? No, because you can close to that. You can, you can do some cool stuff to your bike that uh, e either one that you already have or if you buy a new one, you can make it look different if you don't want to have the same kind of bike as your neighbor. 
you can also go out and find something. If you want something different and have an idea in mind, if you want a different ride, there's a lot of things that you can do. Two extremes. You have the, uh, we were at Iron Nation, so we'll start with the Harley-Davidson. So you go and you buy a Harley-Davidson. Well, Harley-Davidson has an accessory catalog, not just a clothing catalog, but a motorcycle accessory catalog. There are exhaust systems and there are uh, foot pegs, there are handlebars, there are hand grips, there are air cleaners, there are motor packages, there are wheels, pulleys for the belt drive stuff, uh, brake lights, tag holders, anything you can think of that you could do to personalize your bike to where it's your individual bike. Now on the other spectrum of that is uh let's go with the with the european stuff uh ducati performance okay you go buy a ducati and they have body work that you can change and they have different clip-ons and they have different rear sets and they have different exhaust systems and they also have different motor packages now that is on the production side that's something that you can work with with your dealer uh that if you buy the motorcycle, you like working with the dealer that you've bought the new bike from, you can go back and there are these bolt-on options. Or being since they are bolt-on options, it might be something you could do at your house. Now, separate from that, again, is like what we do at my shop. And that's where we hand-build chassis and people come in with ideas of motorcycles that are just on paper. Um, They may have no chassis and we build the chassis maybe they've got a an existing motorcycle uh we jokingly call a donor bike uh, but they want extensive modifications to that production bike uh in the end it's all about individuality and do you want to have another bike that's just blue or yellow from the guy next to you or do you want to stand out and make it your own and have the only one yeah. Uh, and you talked about the bolt-ons. I had a Honda VTX at one time and I wanted it to look different. I mean, we bought it stock and and it was new, but I wanted something a little different. So we actually put a paint job on it and then I bought some aftermarket uh, bullet tail lights to change the tail lights up because I didn't like the I thought they looked big and bulky, so I got some nice slim tail lights and changed uh changed out the grips and, you know, things like that. And those are all little things that um, you're probably able to do yourself if you have just a a modicum of technical ability or can work a screwdriver and a wrench. You can do those types of things yourself. But uh, if you want something radical, then you can go to a a custom builder, whether it be Colvin Motorcycle Company or Roland Sands Design or whomever, and, and take an idea uh, and maybe you want to do something that is based on a, you know, I don't know, a, a Honda CBR, <laughs> just sure. to throw something bizarre out there, you know. But, I mean, you could build up almost anything. You, you could know, make using... a naked bike or you could stretch it and make a, a, a drag bike out of it, you know, uh, like a pro street looking drag bike out of it. There, It's unlimited. Yeah. So when we talk finances for something like that, I mean, you can buy a new motorcycle. I mean, you're looking for anything from 
uh, let's just say around ten thousand dollars, eight to ten thousand dollars on the low end. I mean, you can find some some Sportsters in that range. Uh, certainly, Victory and Indian have come out with some mid-sized bikes that are in that range. You can find uh, Japanese bikes that are in in that range to start out anywhere up to a Screaming Eagle Harley Davidson, where you're going to be somewhere in the uh 25 to 30 maybe 35 easy thousand dollar range for a factory custom if you will i mean it's got a cool paint job you've got a few more cubic inches in the engine you've got some special pipes some uh, uh you know air cleaner a little more horsepower but they still make a certain number of them you know a, a few hundred few thousand of those you know, and they're going to, you know, if you're one of those people that I don't want my motorcycle to look like anybody else's motorcycle. If you're talking about that kind of money, twenty-five dollars to $35,000 for a new bike off the showroom floor, that's the kind of money that, I mean, you could legitimately build something completely different on a custom level. You can. Absolutely, you can. Uh, we've built quite a few motorcycles. Uh, we've built... Battle of the Twin replicas for the street. I don't know if anybody would remember that series, but it was primarily a lot of the twin cylinder road racing series from the 80s and the 90s. Uh, it is an extension of the retro naked cafe racers, uh, but you could still do a cafe racer. You could do a street tracker, just a street legal version of a flat tracker. You could have an actual competition chassis made uh, obviously any of the builders are going to issue their VIN codes. We have our registered VIN codes at Calva Motorcycle. So any custom bike that we make is registered, uh, with our VIN code, our 17 digit VIN code. Um, but if you've got an existing, you said Sportster, okay. Or we could do a Triumph like Bonneville. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, or before you mentioned like the Scrambler. Okay. Uh, you could take those existing bikes. Uh, you know, we work with a, a Grand Prix Speedworks who builds a lot of the different types of bodywork, not just flat track bodywork, but road race bodywork too. Uh, you could build a nostalgia looking scrambler from those motorcycles. You could build street trackers from those motorcycles. You could build cafe road racers from those motorcycles. You could do, if you're into the bobber deal, you can do bobbers from those motorcycles yeah you you mentioned a a competition chassis so what would be the benefits of somebody coming to you uh to you or a motor any motorcycle builder and getting a chassis that is different from what they would get off of a showroom bike it's all about handling it's all about the geometry and the handling of the motorcycle uh most of the time uh production bikes will have a little bit more rake on the front in other words the front wheel is is kicked out a little bit more uh that's done for comfort and slower steering and and a majority of people are comfortable riding that kind of motorcycle a competition style motorcycle the steering head is going to be a little steeper where they steer faster so if you want handling uh, obviously when we build custom chassis we build the chassis to fit the person so we have 
the height of the person and the inseam of the person and the reach of the person that we're building this for. So it is truly a performance motorcycle that is made to fit the height and the reach and the inseam of this person within the parameters that we have to to work with because obviously we've got gas tanks that we have to work around and we have engines we have to work around and exhaust systems. Yeah, but it becomes much more than just the styling. You are building a custom fit for a custom ride that is going to be ultimately more comfortable, better handling, and, and more suited to a specific rider. That is true. And uh, the bike generally is going to be lighter because we're going to use a lot – uh, not that any of the manufacturers don't use any bad materials, but because they're production bikes, they're going to be heavier by nature. Yeah. Okay. And so a production chassis is a little on the heavy side. Uh, a special built performance chassis is going to be lighter. Uh, and if we're wanting it to turn better, then our wheelbase is going to be a little shorter. The bike could be more compact also. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about some of some of the trends. I mean, obviously, custom motorcycles have been around since pretty much the creation of motorcycles. I mean, you started seeing choppers and bobbers in the in the 60s and 70s, if not a little before that. And, uh, you know, we we can think back to the the 90s and kind of the return of the chopper. And we mentioned Jesse James and West Coast Choppers. He kind of got a lot of that started. And then you saw the Orange County Choppers and you started seeing these bikes everywhere. And then you started seeing production companies, uh, Big Dog and Titan coming out with production manufactured choppers and everything. But now that trend has kind of come and gone you don't see those bikes quite as much, or they don't seem to be enjoying the popularity. Now we're seeing more uh, cafe racers, uh, uh, scrambler-type motorcycles, and uh, the brat-style bikes. We're seeing a lot more of those and taking something other than a Harley and customizing it. And so as we as we look at those trends, and that's a pretty drastic jump going from you know, a an Orange County chopper, you know, chrome and sparkly paint and wild paint jobs and, uh, you know, raked out front end to, you know, that goes a block and uh, to and fat back tire. and Yeah, a back tire that's about, you know, 20 inches wide <laughs> or something like that. And uh, to to some of the things that we're seeing now with some of the more, um, you know, you look at some of Roland Sands stuff with with what he's doing with the the victories and 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 some of the other guys uh, victories and sportsters and things like that. They're a little more uh, racing. There seems to be a trend towards the street tracker look going on right now. And uh, so what do you what about the trends? What are you looking at there? Well, vintage is in, okay, and the the idea of vintage or the effect of vintage is in. Uh, I like that. Again, uh, well, it's because you and I are both vintage now. We are vintage. Whenever I was growing <laughs> up, you know, dinosaurs still roam the earth. Um, <laughs> we, when I was growing up, we had a new deal called ink and paper. Wow. Yeah, man. No more tablets. I've um, heard of that. Yeah, we had like you know chisels, hammers, but <laughs> <laughs> the. Like you said, the scrambler style. Okay, uh, I haven't seen in this much interest in scramblers since I was actually 
growing up when there were production scramblers from Triumph and from BSA and then like the Honda Scrambler, right? Yeah, and we're talking like late late 60s, mid yeah. mid to late 60s around there, right? Through like the early to mid 70s, yeah. right? Um, and those were popular. Well, now, not only does Ducati have a Scrambler, but look at Triumph. Triumph has got a very nice Scrambler. I think you actually know an individual that owns a Triumph Scrambler. I do. And it has that nostalgia look well there are people that want that but they want that in their own expression yeah and yamaha just came out with a new scrambler type motorcycle didn't they they did and mm-hmm. it again its styling is very nice and uh retro is in and they've put a lot of retro styling in it now if you're going to have a vintage bike you have to understand that they have well let's call it what character yeah can we call it character yeah uh and it is what it is okay you can improve some things with that okay like you can improve its ignition where you don't have points you could get rid of the uh english amyl carburetors and maybe put a a delorto or you could put a cane or a macuni on it which makes a little bit better but at the end of the day it's still vintage equipment so having said that a lot of the newer stuff like you were talking about that people want to build with or even uh some of the more reliable vintage stuff i know that sounds like an oxymoron but some of the vintage stuff is a little more reliable than others they want even a lot of the takeoff styles like the the japanese style called a brat which actually is from japan right and, and i happen to love that particular style to me, it is it's a very unique style yeah. in and of itself. Uh, I think a lot of people throw that name around in areas that it doesn't necessarily fit, but it has like a hybrid style to it yeah. where it's got a little bit of a lot of the other popular styles rolled into this motorcycle. Yeah, it's kind of a cafe racer and bobber rolled into one with some touches of, you know, some street tracker. and some Yeah, like things. it'll have high pipes on it, yeah. but it may have a seat on it that is it would resemble like a cafe racer. Yeah. Okay. And then it may have low bars, but then again, it may have uh, taller bars with a crossbar in it, like a scrambler or an MX kind of bar. Mm-hmm. Um, I think individuality is very important when it comes to what you're trying to do with your motorcycle. Yeah. Um, I would say this, if you're going to build a motorcycle and you use a lot of really, really nice parts, that that style of bike that you're building and the parts that you use is going to, ref- going to reflect the bike's worth okay so there's some people that kind of get into is it worth what i've put in it or or something like that my advice is is you need to build it for you and choose a budget that you can afford choose parts and pieces that are nice parts and pieces that they're not rehashed kind of welded up whatever kind of older pieces make the bike nice make the bike right and make it your own yeah. And that's the cool thing about motorcycling in general when you get a bike and, and you can you can do minor things, but the individuality of it, I mean the freedom of riding is one thing, but the the statement that you can make with your motorcycle, uh, with the look and the sound and, and things like that. And some people over 
do that and 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 make a, a bold obnoxious statement with their their motorcycles but you know it's a good way to showcase your individuality that uh you know that that's fun and you can do it uh relatively inexpensively i mean in the grand scheme of things i mean we start talking about custom cars and having a custom car built then you're you're looking at sometimes six figures for something like that you can get a motorcycle and like you said if you you're into the vintage stuff i mean with triumph and the bonneville and uh and some of the others i mean yamaha has some vintage looking new motorcycles out and and i think a lot of the brands are coming with that look but you can make some subtle changes uh and, and we talked about my friend with the scrambler i mean we're looking at you know seat mirrors um and a couple of other things you know tail lights headlight or uh, front blinkers or whatever and you can make those changes and you can make your bike different from the, the next scrambler from, or the next bike. right and you can make it look the way that you want it to reflect your personality and if you wanted it to be you know purple you can paint it purple pretty easily and you know if that's you're sick the, and twisted yes. well yeah if uh you know and, and a paint job is a, is another way that you can you know customize your motorcycle and um, you know, there's all kinds of paint shops out there that, that do that sort of thing as well. If you wanted to do something or have something airbrushed on your, your motorcycle, and that's a whole other area of customizing. So let me ask you this, as somebody who is a, uh, the owner of a motorcycle shop and does custom builds of, uh, of, of all calibers, and you've looked at these trends, what do you see or what do you imagine even might be coming along next as we're 2000, well, a little over halfway through 2016, heading into 2017? And uh, what do we see happening next in the world of custom motorcycles, do you think? Well, you know, the dressers are really big right now uh, that are pretty wild uh, with the big wheels and, and lights and a lot of uh, body molding with yeah. uh, uh, saddlebags and stuff. Uh, but to be honest, um, I see a trend towards a lot of uh, street versions of the old board track racers. Hmm. Um, you know, street trackers, some people think is new, but it's actually it's actually not. Actually, the scramblers were from the tt scramble bike so it was in essence like a street tracker uh, if you put a front brake on the bike in in essence that's what we're building our, our scramblers um the chopper thing came back around again i'm sure that there's going to be some stuff that that comes back around but right now the two areas that i see that i would have uh actually not seen coming uh until some of the the interest has been high uh, at SEMA and some other places is the board track style, the nostalgia board track style, and of all things, street legal speedway looking motorcycles. Uh, that would be uh, a little bizarre. The speedway stuff, as a rule, I, I have a couple of speedway bikes and enjoy playing with them, and they are very, very low. Uh, those motorcycles obviously have no transmissions and no brakes okay yeah um so which is not going to work very well on the street or if you're rolling sands on a stage at the buffalo chip yeah not at all and <laughs> and uh you know the right side peg is very very low so you can only turn to the left you can drift to the right to change lanes on the racetrack a little bit but if you turn too far right you're going to jab into the ground and that's going to be a youtube moment but yeah. 
what I've seen them do is what they're calling a a street version of a speedway bike is a lot of single cylinder motorcycle stuff um and they're in a rigid chassis and they've got a narrow back fender and they've got like a 21 inch front wheel on them and they've got a very very small gas tank and a little solo seat on them Hmm. and uh that and, and a low pipe okay a down pipe on them yeah and that is the the way that that a trend is going but the board track stuff i think is very interesting uh the different concepts that people are coming up with of the style of board track racing brought to the street Um, none of the motorcycles that i've seen uh, or any of the bikes that we've done are any based off of any production chassis they've all been handmade chassis and a lot of times we've actually handmade the front forks to resemble a lot of the uh, Springer style forks of like the teens and the twenties. Oh, very cool. That's what I see. That's what I see performance wise. I uh, look for uh, the dresser, uh, what a lot of people call baggers. Uh, If you're old and ancient like I am, they were always called dressers. Yeah. Baggers is kind of a a newer term for them. I think that they're still here to stay for another few years. Uh, But interestingly, though, I see a change in sport bikes. Uh, I see the naked versions of the sport bikes becoming more and more popular. And I see a lot of the stretched street bikes becoming more extreme with a lot of the wild scoops and modifications that are done to the bodywork on them. And you're talking about the extended swing arm styling or, or yes. something different? Yeah, yeah. stretching the back out on them. Uh, they're changing a whole lot of the uh, the body work. Interestingly, what I've seen is where they take uh, like an R1, some R1 body work and some ZX body work, and maybe they like the scoops of one and they like the nose of another, but they like the windshield of something else. And uh, they actually cut and uh, put this stuff together to form a whole new style of bodywork to go on the motorcycle. Hmm. Well, that sounds pretty wild. I'll have to uh, see if I can find some of those on online or check them out. I need to. I need to get out more. <laughs> That's, that was a huge hit at SEMA this year. Yeah. Was uh, was a lot of the modifications to to the motorcycles, and obviously they're into with the lighting and the strobe lighting on down inside the motorcycles yeah. and on the wheels and right. that kind of stuff. Well, the uh, the bottom line is you have a multitude of choices, whether it is making slight modifications to a production motorcycle or building a full-on custom, and whether that be a street tracker or a brat or a scrambler or a dresser or bagger, whichever you prefer there, uh, there are a lot of ways that you can go. And... All you have to do is imagine it, and there is somebody out there that could build it for you, I would imagine. Use your imagination and find somebody that you're comfortable with that you can get your point across to, and pictures always help. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, we appreciate you taking the time to listen to the Power Sports podcast. If you really want to help us out, share 
the Power Sports Podcast with your friends. Share it on Facebook. Uh, tell your friends about it by word of mouth. Pick up a phone and call somebody and say, hey, you've got to listen to this podcast if you're into motorcycles and racing. And uh, we, we need your help. We need you to spread the word. Help us grow. Help us uh, and give us topics. You can email us at powersportspodcast at gmail.com. You can go to our Facebook page and uh, put comments there. Uh, you can go to the website, which is oklahomatalking.co, and you can find the podcast there to listen to, but we also po- post other news stories. Uh, we posted the press release from Indian Motorcycles this week, as well as some other news and information from the motorcycle industry that came out this week, so you can go there and keep up with things going on. And uh, you can, of course, download the podcast on iTunes, and uh, you can subscribe and get it automatically each and every week and if you would do us a favor and go on there and give us a review and uh, tell people what you think and and hopefully it's good don't tell people if you don't like it that doesn't help us at all so we uh, once again thanks for taking the time thanks for listening and uh, be safe as you're riding out there for Eric Colvin I'm Jason Baffrey and we are out of here